0: They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White.
1: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. And I'm Dr. Joanne White, and I'm very excited because I have a special guest And what he stands for and what he's doing, I'm very, very passionate about, and I think we all need to pay attention and hear what's going on in our world and how we can shift it. I'm sure we all know what's going on in our world, but how we can shift it is a whole other question, and I think my guest joe weston has some wonderful answers joe is an international trainer an author a lecturer consultant coach professor and above all else an advocate for lasting peace with a career that's spanning 30 plus years in the fields of conflict prevention leadership stress management and communication Joe is a highly sought-after facilitator for individuals as well as corporations, government agencies, and nonprofits all around the globe. As founder and owner of the Western Network, Joe and his international team provide trainings, consulting, and coaching based on his methodology called Respectful Confrontation and Resilient Power Leadership. Through this network of 30-plus certified trainers, allies, and collaborators in the United States, Europe, as well as the Middle East, and people from all walks of life have greatly benefited from government agencies, law enforcement, educators, healthcare workers, parents, young adults, you name it. In 2020, Joe founded the Fierce Civility Project, a nonprofit that further carries out Joe's programs and messages across all sectors. His book, Mastering Respectful Confrontation, a Guide to Personal Freedom and Empowered Collaborate Engagement, has sold well worldwide. Joe's newest book, Fierce Civility, Transforming Our Global Culture from Polarization to lasting peace is also very exciting to me. Joe writes a regular advice column. Ask Joe for the United States-based online magazine The Fulcrum. Welcome, Joe Weston. What do you not do?
2: <laughs> Hi, Dr. Joe. It's great. It's great to be here. What do I not do? i not. I don't knit. I don't knit. <laughs> Neither I don't do, I,
1: do I. Thank goodness. <laughs> okay.
2: Not. That, and I have nothing against knitting. It's just something I don't do.
1: <laughs> well that's okay. Now to all the people who knit, we love we love what you do. We love you. Okay. Yes. You are amazing. <laughs> so, I mean everything that you're doing is so I want I want to have our listeners start with your beginning journey. How did you get into all of this and why?
2: Well, it's a, that, that's, it's, it's, it's a good journey. It's an interesting journey. Uh, and so, so, I mean, I've been—I'm uh, passionate about this work that I'm doing, as you've mentioned, around the world with facilitation and coaching and consulting and writing. And uh, um, both uh, bodies of work that I've developed—respectful confrontation and now fierce civility—people often ask me, Joe, why are you always seeking out the challenges and the conflict? And um, and I say that it starts with my roots growing up in Queens, New York. Uh, and, and, and as you know, Dr. Joanne, that uh, I, I experienced that just living in New York every day was an examination of confrontation and conflict.
1: Just mm-hmm. navigating,
2: um, right, just navigating the energies of so many people that, to, to deal with that. And so there was that. So just learning at a young age how to navigate that. But at the same time, I do come from a pretty Challenging, volatile family situation growing up, my dad spent some time in jail when I was around twelve, um, and other things that I had to deal with and it was expected that I would fight and and even in the midst of all that, there was a part of me that had this deep question within myself: why is it, even though we know better, even though we're a relatively intelligent species, and we have all the information we need at our fingertips and We've done remarkable things in outer space, in the smallest of atoms, and so technologically we're pretty smart, but why is it even though we know better, we still have arguments and fights, and on a larger scale, crime and war and hunger and oppression? And that has been the driving force in my life deep in my heart, and I, I would say many people might ask that question, and many people might answer, well, that's just the way we are, and on some level, that's an accurate answer. Uh, but I was never satisfied with that answer. I always wanted to try to get to the root causes of that and and uh, you know so my uh, my journey took me to various places uh, I, I, I was very, very lucky when someone said to me when I was a young adult said, "You know you really need to meditate you 're pretty in, in, pretty intense and uh anxious <laughs> and and i said oh i couldn 't possibly meditate i couldn 't sit still that." long and then they suggested what about Tai Chi because uh, that's it's like meditation in motion and I mm-hmm. knew in my heart that I needed to do it and I did I was, I was it was in my late teens or early 20s when I did that and that changed my life that really shifted everything when I, I finally got to understand the connection between mind and body um, I understood the energy I started understanding the energy systems in the body I understanding i started con- considering that i can have control over what i think that I, I remember walking through the streets of new york once and just doing an inventory and thinking how many of my thoughts were negative mm-hmm. and was surprised to see that 80 plus percent of my thoughts were negative and i actually thought to myself well i have the power to change that and this all came from the tai chi from understanding eastern philosophies and and, and like i said um the mind-body connection and that led me on a path through many uh, seeking out many traditional tra- traditions uh, and practices and studies including um, Taoist practices uh, Tibetan Buddhist practices martial arts I've, I've studied other martial arts and um, ended up doing transformational healing work and body work uh, and w- helping people uh, work through their trauma st- you know studying more about neuroscience um, and that's that's the basis of, of what I bring to the work that I've done. Also, I ended up in the Netherlands uh, as a young man and I was going to go there for just a couple of months and I stayed for 18 years and uh, established a life there and had the opportunity to meet people from around the world just that I connected with but also for work and that's where I started doing more corporate trainings and communications and specifically dealing with aggression and that's where I those are the final pieces of all that I put together to create first the respectful confrontation work, and then the um, fear civility work. I'll take a pause there. There's more to tell, but I, I figure that's a lot already.
1: <laughs> that, that's amazing. By the way, I grew up in Queens too. Right, <laughs> Queens, <And>, yes. <laughs> yes, And in terms of meditation, I mean, I'm with you. I do what's called I do a walking meditation because again, you can get to a place within yourself where wherein you can quiet oneself quiet the thoughts breathe and also receive guidance and information so the first question is why again why why is this going on in the world well you know like you said people say well that's just what what happens that's just well who we are i'm not sure i'm comfortable with that as you and you're not either so why do you have an answer as to why
2: um i i do i'm not i and first I have to quantify that by saying i'm not saying it's the answer but i certainly have an answer or maybe 12 or maybe 25 <laughs> <laughs> but uh but but as i'm sure you do but i would say one one answer is um is, since we're we're talking about the body and about uh taking care of the body and and, and the nervous system is that um we're, we're we we are in an, as things are accelerating, things are changing so drastically, uh, and and it's hard to keep up with that. And you know, I, I work with a model: the difference between change and transition. That change is the external things that happen, and we've seen some really big changes. I mean, in the last 50, 60 years, we've seen a lot of changes, but certainly in the last five years, 10 years, and um, with the, 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 with, with the, the planet warming up and, and with, with a lot of uh, intense weather and with uh, economic instability, political instability, um, there's a lot of uncertainty, which is causing a lot of anxiety. And then we had the pandemic. We were already suffering, I would say, most of us from some level of chronic stress, if not trauma. Um, and then I think it all got exacerbated with the, with the pandemic. Uh, and I think many of us, I know for myself, we still trying to recover from that, but it's left us in such a state of nervous system dysregulation, and when you're in that state, um, you're pretty much constantly in a fight-flight-freeze response, So, which means that anything that is new or, or, or seems different is going to be perceived as a threat, maybe even a threat to your very life and existence. And I think that's what's happening is that because we are losing trust in institutions, those institutions are shifting uh, with myths and disinformation happening on social media and in the news, we're, we're, we're losing our sense of who can we trust and where can we find refuge. And that, um, that, that is a part of it, but it, the basic thing it's doing is just causing us a lot of anxiety. And in that state, we shut down our hearts. It's not healthy to have your heart open in an environment where you're feeling anxious. It's just not healthy. So in a sense, we're constantly in a state of dysregulation, which means we're finding it more challenging to access our reasoning brain, part of our brain, critical thinking. We're more reactive. We see an image or we see a person that we label as enemy or friend. Uh, we instantly react if someone says something that just slightly challenges what we believe, we go into that threat response and uh, and I believe until we can look at that and and come back to ourselves, uh, come back uh, into a certain level of regulation we 're not going to be able to really open up to new peaceful solutions and uh, because in a sense this this regulation is closing our hearts, which means. We're no longer able to see the humanity in each other on some level, and we're certainly not able to feel the compassion for people that are different. So the whole crux of the work that I do is to help people, to help people really find their, their power again, get back to themselves, get back to their hearts where wisdom resides, where common sense resides, uh, where the capacity to experience things around you and be to smell flowers again and to hear birds singing again and to engage with people in a way from an open-hearted place that's still safe and to appeal to the hearts and minds of others. It's really simple, the solutions. I always say, I've been saying that for years, year, Dr. Joanne, with the work that I do. The problems may seem really complicated or complex, but that we can't solve complicated problems with complicated solutions, which is what we're trying to do. I believe that just complicates things more. We we have to come up with very simple solutions, and then simple solutions is, is uh, implementing simple solutions is hard work.
1: Well, because, I'm you know. I'm totally in agreement with with everything that you're saying too, because I also believe in a heart-centered approach, and that we have to look at people not not differently but but see this, well see the differences but in in a respectful way and appreciate and and actually celebrate our differences and really come to a place within ourselves of peace and comfort and that's important too so i under, you know i understand everything that you're talking about in terms of why people are behaving this way and the uncertainty and, and the fight and flight response and whatever, but there, like you said, there is another way, and, and, and that responsibility, I mean, isn't that responsibility on some level more personal to be able to access your heart-centered beliefs, to be able to get peaceful, and, and if that's so, how do we create that globally?
2: Beautiful question. I, I, um, one of the concepts that I have is that cultural transformation must start with personal transformation. Or you could reverse it and say personal transformation is the first step to cultural transformation. If you want to see transformation, if you really want to see lasting peace, lasting transformation, it has to start from the inside out. You can impose, we see that happen, right? We see we, uh, governments or, 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 or parties who are in power will impose Laws and and, 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 and policy, um, uh, mm-hmm. but not get full buy-in from everybody from all of its citizens in a sense. And then as soon as the other party gets in power, they try to tear down or and they have teared, torn down um, some of those laws. So it's, it's 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 like it's like going back and forth. It's the image I use of that's the that's the sense of polarization. Is the, there's a stagnation in the polarization, like two rams who are ramming their heads against each other, just keep pushing and pushing. I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm, I want to win. No, I want to win. And all that energy is going into trying to gain, and even like America, it's like think of it like American football, is that all this force that goes into gaining a couple of yards. Um, Imagine if there was a different approach where people could work together for a common goal. So, I, I, so the, why I think it starts with uh, with with personal transformation is that, and, and how that could work, is that it it starts with someone recognizing that you know if we want to see social change happen, if we want to be part of a movement for a world of lasting peace, we have to cultivate within ourselves um, resilience because uh, it's going to we're in it for the long haul. Peace, lasting peace is not. Uh, there's no finish line. There's never going to be a moment where we can declare we have peace. Um, In fact, I've been invited to peace conferences where we've had many talks of difference between peace and lasting peace. You can have peace. You can have two countries sign up or two warring factions sign a treaty um, so that they're no longer going to fight. But that doesn't mean that they're all going to dance in the streets and and hug each other and work well together. That's a lot of work and that is the blueprint and what i talk about in fear civility is that uh, it's, it's about skills and strategies that individuals can learn to become more resilient to become more impactful and to and to feel confident and excited about being part of a movement towards creating a blueprint for lasting peace and it has to start with the self in terms of that level of resilience so in this i so for me self-care while it's a beautiful thing in terms of nurturing the self and taking care of the self, I add a layer on that is that the more you take care of yourself, the more you can be of service to others. And I think this is what the time is asking of us, Dr. Joe. And I think that's really, the world needs us now for people who are aware, who want to come from a heart-centered place, who want to find a way to have an impact um is to is to think that the years of 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 many of us have had the privilege and the luxury to work on ourselves to go to retreats to heal our wounds and to cultivate practices of self care and self nourishment now the question is how can we give back and how can we create be part of creating for other people who don't have that luxury because they 're too busy just trying to find fresh water or not get a bomb drop on their heads in some parts of the world that we can create s- s- situations where they have an opportunity and the luxury and the privilege to 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 go to retreats to meditate to cultivate self-care. So that for me is how personal transformation leads to cultural transformation. That's one way. And on
1: I'm and I'm in total agreement with that. I think it's important. And I think that there are many people who are awakened right now who are seeking that same global peace and 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 starting with oneself and and i think that's really very important because the more people that we awaken and that have that level of awareness joe the more we'll be able to do that that shift and that transformation so yeah. what is the power of pivot
2: oh the power to pivot so, so in, in so one way to see how can the how can the individual yes I think there are I'm seeing that that there are so many organizations and human beings around the planet that that are that are, are unifying to create a world of, of of nonviolence and equity and inclusivity and and uh, and, and, and and various things like that. Um, and that, and as I mentioned, the first step is we've got to take care of ourselves to make sure we can be in it for the long haul and that we're, we're, we're vital and joyful in what we're doing. Another another thing to consider is, you know, ha, what are we going to do individually to notice our own internal polarizations and external polarizations? That many people have best intention, still get caught up in... in, in I would say on some level, outdated modes of communication and, and ways of resolving conflict. Uh, because we're, we're, it's unfortunate, but we just, if we don't take the time to examine, we tend to perceive the world in a lot of false polarity. I'm all good, you're all bad. I'm right, you're wrong. Um, I'm friends, these are friends, uh, you're a foe. And, and, I, and, and in a sense, the fear civility approach helps us see not only external polarization but our own internal polarization um, in ways that we are are, even with ourselves that we have polarizing or or false polarities about how we see ourselves Um, and the idea is to first recognize that you're in a polarity and you can feel it in your body you can feel there's a tension and if you think about like for instance with some family members, you might have, you, Dr. Joanne, and anybody who's listening, I always say, think about Thanksgiving, or think about when you go and and you're suddenly with family members, uncles or cousins, who have very different political views. Just the the thought of being with them already tightens something in your body. That's already a polarity getting activated, where you're creating constriction. And in that state, there's no possibility for creative emergence, for new solutions to emerge or for healing and reconciliation. So the idea is to recognize I'm feeling contracted somewhere, to identify what polarity is being activated. And then in that moment, to try to find a pivot, try to find a way to not uh, run away from it, not fight it, but simply shift it, even that little bit. That makes me think of, I, I, I get this from the martial arts practices, particularly Tai Chi and Aikido where um, you learn how to use the force of your opponent instead of just learning how to kick and punch and be aggressive and use brute force. You learn how to stay present and soft and flexible and grounded so that when a force, when, when the force of the opponent comes, instead of again, going into fight flight freeze, you learn how to use that force actually to get you deeper into connection. Um, and that's a pivot. And um, and it, and 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 it can be something as simple as I can give a quick example. May I give a quick example?
1: Oh sure, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I bring this up in my book of a, a a client of mine who I was who I was coaching in the fear stability method. She was a she uh, was hired to be the vice president of a big company in Europe, and she. Um, Uh, And when she started, she inherited this project. uh, They were going to do a big renovation in in a part of a uh, a city. And she uh, went to a meeting for the local uh, officials to talk about this project. She walked into the room, and and there were six men there. And as soon as she walked in, they stood up, and they started yelling at her, basically throwing all their complaints about this project. And she had, you know, she had to do her work she, with her practice of fierce civility, She took a breath. She felt her feet on the ground. And what she decided to do was she slowly walked to her chair. She took off her coat, and she turned to the men in a very lighthearted way, and she said, um, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, I'd like to do a round of introduction because I'd like to know the names of the people who are bombarding me, in a sense, who are, who are coming at me. And that was, uh, it, that's a pivot. It wasn't attacking them, it wasn't It wasn't acquiescing. It was finding a way to address it that just shifted the energy. And what it did was, it's a reset. The power of the pivot is a reset to get you out of the contraction and get you back to presence and connection so that you can then go on uh, with, with the work. And it worked because it helped reset the situation Um, It helped them look at their behavior and and what I say, which is really important with the work of fear civility is She disarmed their strategy of attack without Mm disempowering them Beautiful she didn't humiliate them. She didn't shame them. She didn't guilt them Uh, And that's the power of the pivot
1: And you know we, we it's important for us to do that like you said Joe with ourselves we have to really be not only self-aware but really be able to examine our belief system our prejudices many people i mean i i don't believe that i'm prejudiced or whatever but i remember one point going through an experience wherein i had to look at some old belief systems that were still buried within me that that made me think Mm -hmm. wait a minute there's there's something i have to shift here and that's important Mm -hmm. by the way my family we're not allowed to talk about certain topics <laughs> because, <Okay. laughs> because of the disparity, the differences in, in terms of belief systems and pol- and political yeah. whatever's and 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 yeah. so we we just don't do that to keep the peace and so we so we have a favorable time with one another. Otherwise, it could get yeah. really, really crazy. But I love what what she did because again, it but when you're doing that with other people that's also important but but it has to start with with oneself and and that's beautiful let's talk about your first book mastering respectful confrontation a guide to personal freedom and empowered collaborate engagement so tell our listeners joe a little bit about that book some of it you've been talking about but but some of the main principles and then we'll go further
2: Thank you. Um, so that that was that came out of this idea of just noticing, you know, so many people having good intentions, but still, you know, so the, the basis of the book is how uh, it's a method and a practice to cultivate the courage and the skills to stand in your power, speak your truth, get your needs met in a way where you don't get harmed and other people don't get harmed. And that's really mm. the key to it is that, you know, many people are really good with being respectful. You know, they're really good with uh, they're the caregivers, they're the ones who keep the peace. Um, and then there are many people who are really good with confronting, who are just loud and, 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 and speak their mind and get what they want. And one is not better or th- than the other, um, but there are, detri- there are detriments to both. If you're too respectful, then you're not getting your own needs met. Um, and, and you're letting people walk all over you. You can't set boundaries. Or if you're too confrontational, then... You're you're excluding people from conversation. You're not opening to new ideas, and you're shutting other people down. Maybe even be seen as a bully. So the work is like an, like an sense of alchemy about bringing these two this what seems pol- like a polarizing concept together, so that you are respectful in your confrontation, that you that you're, you're courageous in being able to have difficult conversations, and that a lot of the work is helping people to understand that confrontations are actually ways to deepen relationships if you do it in a respectful way and to and to empower everyone involved. So this is the basis of the work that I do, particularly with the Western network, working with organizations, is helping organizations and family units or or, or communities create cultures of mutual empowerment. And you know, I started respectful confrontation as a tool for people who I felt had really something to offer but weren't frightened to step into their voice and their power. So there's a component about how to have difficult conversations and there's a component about tapping into um, power uh, with a method that I've developed called the four pillars of resilient power, which Mm. I borrow from a lot of my um, Taoist and martial arts training of exercises that help you feel power in your body that that is authentic to you. So it's reorienting and reestablishing your authentic relationship with your power. Um, as opposed to an external idea of brute force or weakness. And,
1: you know, and, I think it's I'd... important to be able to access and be in our power, and it doesn't mean that, that we have to be exert our power to anybody else it, it just means to feel it and recognize it and know like you said how to utilize it to, to be able to be more of a beautiful force in in the world and that, that's important we need to bring you to my Thanksgiving
2: <laughs> oh I'd love to if the food is good I'm sure the food is good I'll come I'll mediate I'll mediate with, uh, with the turkey and the stuffing I'll definitely do that that would be fun <laughs> But, um, so now you have another. You think... oh, okay. Go ahead. No, I was going to say one of the uh, just to to add to your point is that one of the, um, the core concepts of respectful confrontation and even fear civility is that it's in your vulnerability that your true power is revealed. Beautiful. And I think that's another important thing about what you're saying, and you know, and and, and another problem in the world is that. If people feel within themselves that they can't take care of themselves or they don't feel powerful, then they're going to create external plays of power. Um, that, um, and the more people need, and that can be gossip, that could be sarcastic humor, that can be um, abuse, bullying. It could be how many guns you want. It can be, you know, all of those things that we're doing that um, give an external sense of power To me, from a place of compassion, I would say that's an indication that they need all of that because they don't feel powerful within. And that the person who truly feels powerful within doesn't need all of those external things. They're more authentic. They're more open.
1: Oftentimes, a bully is someone that that is disguising oneself, himself, herself, um, by presenting a Powerful force when, with when really within themselves they don't feel that way, or they've been abused, or there have been other kinds of things that that's happened beforehand. So it, it's so very important to recognize that. What does it mean? What does fierce civility mean? To some people, it would be kind of like, isn't that an op- opposite? How do, how does that work? Right.
2: <laughs> how does it work? Yeah, that's similar to respectful confrontation. I, I think. It has to do with you know my mission is to say what can we because what 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 breaks my heart dr joanne is 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 what I've seen happen in the last certainly ten years is a breakdown of civil discourse um, a breakdown of personal agency um, uh, of civic engagement and independent critical thinking and and a, and a breakdown of of civility in a sense that that uh, we're seeing that even lack of Lack of civility is even being rewarded on a certain level and celebrated. And uh, the whole appeal of what I want to do to appeal to the hearts and minds of others is to say, no matter what your political views are, no matter what your religious views are, no matter what you believe about any issue, if you have the core values that civility, that being kind and being generous are important, then... It's important for us in this time to what, do what I say is um, find new alliances in surprising places. That even though someone might have different political views, if you can connect at least on that one thing together, that mission to preserve civility, then we will see us transition through these challenging times much more gracefully and quickly. Um, that it, 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 this it trend, what I'm appealing to transcends politics and religion and all of that, is that we as a human species have to remember our best selves. Remember that our highest qualities and our highest selves are in our hearts, and that for me, the true sense of civility is advocating for not just yourself but for everyone, uh, 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 an opportunity for e- uh, where there's respect, um, dignity, which means being valued um belonging freedom and collaboration and and so i'm redefining civility because what i'm finding and i hear a lot of people say that the old-fashioned outdated view of, of civility is not go is not strong enough to confront the lack of civility we're currently seeing it's because and if you look at the dictionary definition of civility it's it's all about being refined and polite mm-hmm. and that's not working and, and no, so we have to put
1: idea, strength behind it.
2: <laughs> we have to put what behind it? We have to put strength
1: behind it.
2: Yeah, and that's the fierce part of it. We have to be fierce in our civility. We have to be fierce in standing up for, for civility, for the rights of, 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 of all people, that everyone has an opportunity. Everyone has an opportunity should should be treated in a nonviolent way. And that's the idea of the fierceness: is that we become more ferocious, in a sense, in advocating for um, kindness and uh, generosity, and that we may, and that we don't have to, because the, in a sense, fierce civility addresses the question: How do you confront a bully without becoming a bully? So, in a sense, how do you still stand in your power? How can you still be assertive and use? The skills of fear, civility, and the strategies, including the power of the pivot, that when you're confronting a bully or someone is getting, um, aggressive, that you can find productive ways and safe ways to address it without getting caught into the fight. Because that's what they want. I always say that fighting the system only feeds the system, makes it stronger. And that, um, if you, if you confront a bully by becoming a bully, then basically the bully system has just uh, turned you into one of them.
1: And it's one. And,
2: and it's one. Yes. Yeah. So we have to be fierce and, and, and standing up, taking care of ourselves. And I, I say the most revolutionary act, and I'd love to know what you think about this, Dr. Joanne, the most revolutionary act that we can do, as, as, if you can say as like peace advocates, advocates is first to take care of ourselves, our own self-care and resilience, make sure we're resilient, and nurtured and, and vital. And invest time and energy in cultivating and deepening the current relationships we have. Because what the system is kind of doing to us, either consciously or not, I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners to decide, is they're keeping us depleted and dysregulated and isolated and separate. So we're all suffering. I mean, I don't know if you've read, you must have read the reports about the, num- the amount of isolation and depression and mental illness. right. right. So whatever we can do to keep ourselves vital and whatever we can do to keep our relationships vital and healthy and strong, that is the most revolutionary thing we can do right now at this time.
1: And I and I'm, I agree with you. I think it's so important. And even, I mean, relationships, like, like I like to make sure when I'm out in the world I do my power walk in the morning, that, that I make people smile, that I, I say something that... What a beautiful hat! Your dog, hello to your dog. You know what? And it it, yeah. it creates. Firstly, it just creates not only a smile, but a feeling, a feeling of joy with and and a connection. It's not a deep connection, but it it helps people just go about their day in in a totally different feeling and mindset, which is very important. And and I love. Yeah. that.
2: That's beautiful, and it's those small things that are going to make a difference. We have to trust that, and they have a ripple effect. And you know, and I always say, you know, I live in an apartment building where where, where I'm in D.C. where I'm currently living, and I literally have people who, who we live on the same floor. We they know I'm their neighbor, and when I'm standing at my door opening my door, they walk past me and don't even acknowledge that I'm there. Wow, and that's as a New Yorker, that's shocking to me because a New Yorker would never do that. First of all, <laughs> right? Maybe, you know, there, right. There, there, there be some level of engagement, and uh, right. but my my, my 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 thought is is that if if my neighbor can't even acknowledge me. What makes us think that we're going to solve world problems and and have world peace? And so so actually, what you're speaking to is one of the pivots in the book as well. Is what I call love thy stranger is that if we break the cycle of that, we put the world in in a polarity of either friends and foe, right? You know, and and the Bible tells us, for instance, love thy enemy. I don't know how healthy that is, especially with people who have been oppressed for centuries, why they should, you know, that that's healthy to then suddenly say, love my enemy. Um, But again, we don't think we have options. We either love those that that we know or, or we hate those that are enemies. So the pivot is to say, well, let's add a category called stranger. And that we find that there are billions of people on this planet. And that there's, you know, if you decide, if you figure out who are your friends and who are your adversaries, that the list of stranger is probably much larger. And these are people that are more neutral. They're not your enemy. And which means that if they're not your enemy, they may still have different views from you, but they still might be a possibility to engage with them in this movement towards. Uh, your civility of, of civility or they may become an ally and that's how we find allies in surprising places so what you're doing is you're is you're practicing this idea of love thy stranger
1: well thank you but I do I love it and I do and I love what you're saying I do it everywhere <laughs> in supermarket <laughs> because it, it it turns people around. It makes a difference to them. There was, I'll just tell you a really quick story. I have a hat with, with bird feathers because I feed the birds and they give me their feathers. And mm. it, I was in a supermarket and this little girl was, crying and crying and crying and nobody was able to stop her i went over and i was playing with my hat taking it on and off she started to look and and stopped crying and smiled and then i walked away i said to to the family have a nice day and it was just a you know it's a natural feeling it feels good and it changes the energy and it doesn't take anything Except exactly. just being a little bit of engaging and, and, and wanting to spread some connection and joy.
2: Yeah. And people, and, and, and what that does. And, 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 uh, from the, the what I've been sharing already is that another aspect it has is that, uh, because the number one need that human beings have from the very moment they're born is connection. And so many of us are feeling disconnected. So by you doing that, you're helping people remember that they're connected and that calms and soothes the nervous system. So that, so there's an, you're also helping people come out of their dysregulated state and come back to a level of
1: connection. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I see it. That's just the way of looking at. It. No, Joe, I mean, I'm not. I'm being playful because I love I yeah. love everything that you do. And I love what you're doing and I think now it is so important to engage with even with strangers and and to follow some of these practices and to really understand that we have an opportunity and a necessity to really shift things right now, but we have to start with ourselves and that's what you're you are Teaching and preaching and and doing all yeah. over the globe. I think it's beautiful So tell Thank our you. listeners How they can get a hold of you find out more about oh well talk a little bit about the project the Fierce civility right. project And then we'll, we'll go the, the last
2: thing I was yeah, so so um, I, I, it, it, the way you said that was so beautiful, and and and, and it, in that, what what as you were saying and as we're saying is that if people can see that how much power they already have this moment to shift things and make change, that could bring them more of a sense of hope. And in fact, uh, one of the major parts themes in the fear civility book is what I call the six step pathway to hope.
1: Uh-huh. And I'm
2: often asked, Joe, do you really have hope for what's for for what's happening in the world, and I'll and I'll say, I may not be optimistic. Uh, you know, for what might be coming or where how things are going, but regardless of that, I have hope. I have hope in the human spirit, and I have hope in you know the very people like you and your listeners, and people who can see that every little thing you can do can make a difference. And the Fear Civility Project um, was set up as, as a nonprofit. Uh, you know the Western Africa is a for profit where we work with organizations and the so the Fear civility Project is set up to actually do mediation with you know uh, in communities where there are challenges happening with different disparate groups, for instance um I've created a, a foundational uh, program of the workshop to teach because the whole fear civility approach is based on skills and strategies it's not theory it's not under it's not data. It's what every human being can do right now to, to rewire their nervous system, to cultivate new habits where they, um, where they can become more resilient, they can feel more grounded, um, more safer, uh, more grounded uh, in this, on the planet in this time and, and see how they can slowly increase their impact to be of benefit to themselves and others. So the Fear Civility Project is part of that. I, do, I also have an ambassador a peer civilian ambassador training program. The idea is to train people to then go back into their communities or families and share these skills and um, to to, to foster more nonviolence and and more reconciliation and healing. Um, The idea is eventually to go into, you know, and and I've done work around the world. Um, I've worked with uh, incarcerated men to teach some of these principles. I've worked with severely wounded combat veterans Uh, with PTSD and teaching them how to reorient and communicate in a more effective way, um, and work through their own trauma. Uh, and I've done a lot of work in the middle East working with women's rights organizations,
1: um, Mm.
2: and uh, creating programs there and, and work with a lot of social justice and, um, um, organizations here in the United States. So that's, that's, that's how the work goes from the personal to the more, the, 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 the societal, the collective, um, to to bring these principles and and, and again, it always starts with how to empower. There are so many remarkable people doing great work. My hope with fierce Mm civility is to, um, offer these skills and strategies to help them upgrade their capacities and their skills so that they can actually get more done with less time and effort. That's really the key. Beautiful. Um, and, 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 and even for individuals who aren't committed to like big social change. You know, how can you feel more, more vibrant and thriving and, uh, and, 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 particularly in your relationships and how can you, um, be a benefit to those that you engage with your friends, your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, uh, to create a culture of mutual empowerment. Um, and if that resonates with you in terms of, um, your core values, then, then, um, both respectful confrontation, but more, even more so fear stability offers. A pathway to do that I'm in <laughs> <Woo-hoo>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so tell our listeners so how they can find out more, how they can buy your books, how they could connect with you, and maybe even take you know be involved in some of the projects and the trainings right right so
2: um so there's two, two websites you can look at. JoeWeston.com, which gives gives you an overview of all the work I've done, the work I'm doing with cor- corporations and organizations, and also even the, the more social change work, community uh, work. Um, there's also org, which you can which you can look at and um, and find out more, and uh, just check our calendar. You know, we we are, we're slowing down for the summer right now, but uh, we're going to. Doing some more workshops, respectful confrontation workshops, peer, peer civility lectures. Um, you know, check to see where I'm, where I'm actually doing book signings or lectures or where I'm teaching workshops. And it, and I also do consulting and coaching. And I have my certified trainers are also uh, coaches in the work that I do. Um, so I would just say check the website, and if there's, and if it appeals to you in any way, then just send us a note. Um, and see how you're always looking for volunteers. We're, of course, always looking for donors. (laughs) So um, if if anybody out there is interested in supporting us in this mission, please, uh, please get in touch.
1: Beautiful. Well, Joe, you are a gift, and thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And for who you are and what you stand for that's important. I want to share something with you. I have a background in working with with children with special needs going way mm-hmm. back and I remember a couple of years ago i 'm sitting in a diner waiting for a friend, and this this man comes up and talks to every mm-hmm. every peop every person every that's sitting in a booth. His son had had Tourettes. So he had a lot of outbursts, and he was apologizing to everybody at the booth. And I was thinking, isn't it a shame that he had to feel the necessity to, and maybe you can shift this, he had to feel the necessity to kind of explain what his son was going through, you know, to who his son was, so that that Mm -hmm. in a way keep people from being upset or angry or whatever. And I thought... Wouldn't it be better if if we just were an, an accepting of again of somebody who was different, of somebody who didn't fit into whatever the so-called norm is or whatever, and just be respectful and accepting?
2: Yes, that's beautiful. Beautiful. I and you you know, would and... More comments to that? Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I I think there's a there's a both and in that. I think it's and that's the beauty of it is that you can be more inclusive, you can be more respectful of others, and you can still maintain your own boundaries and and check in with yourself, make sure you're safe and or, or whatever. And 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 that's where um, you know, so it doesn't have to be one extreme or the other that you let you know that you know you're accepting of everyone and let people walk all over you, um, or you. Or you have a hard line and just don't accept anybody. I think it's possible to yes to to be more gracious and to give more space. That so, we are all different, and this young person is, is it can't help what they're suffering with. And if it's inconveniencing you, um, you can still be gracious and give them the space to be who they are. And if it's too much for you, then you set boundaries and you go elsewhere. Uh, I, I think that the the, the 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 I mean that's important is, uh, is 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 both aspects.
1: I agree. Well, again, thank you so much for everything that you're doing for who you are and for helping to promote more peace and not only in our world but within ourselves and with our connections. So thank you and have a beautiful blessed day Joe Weston.
2: Thank you. And thank you for the beautiful work you're doing.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. So think about everything Joe Weston said. I want you to really pay attention and, and focus a moment within yourself. May, we may have some outdated beliefs, anger, hurt, whatever, but it's up to us, as Joe said, to really be able to shift that So when we are doing that for ourselves, we're better equipped to do that in our world and in our our relationships with, with family, with friends, with strangers. And it doesn't take much to go out in the world and to be kind. It really doesn't take much. And it makes you feel good and the other people feel good, too. So that's really important. You have the ability to take one step forward to empower yourself to power your life even one step can make a difference on your journey so do that today do that for yourself and have a beautiful day and thank you for joining us
0: you've been listening to the power your life radio show with host and author dr joanne white listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire